You're listening to the Beside the Badge podcast with your host, Paul Bunker, veteran chaplain and friend to law enforcement. Hey, welcome back for another episode of Beside the Badge. My name is Paul Buckner. Let's get down to business. Today's episode, we are going to talk about things that police officers wish you knew about what they see. And there are police officers that are exceptions to this, that maybe they work a desk job or, or they don't ever really deal with the public. Um, but a lot of police officers who who work out in the public on the regular, they see some truly terrible things. And there is an emotional toll that's taken and there's ways that officers have to learn to deal with the stress of what they see. Many of these things that they see and experience are along the lines that if we saw and experienced them, we would be like, oh my word, and it would stay with us for the rest of our lives. So before we get started, I wanted to thank uh, my buddy with Gotcha Six Coffee. He's one of my sponsors. He has amazing coffee. Check him out on social media. They give their net profits away, what it costs past keeping the company going. They give it away to law enforcement, EMT, paramedic, police officer, firefighter, and veteran causes. Very, very awesome group of people to work with. I know the founder personally. One of these days I'll tell my story about how I met the founder. Let's get down to business. So this is a tough one. It's one of these things that I oftentimes in the middle of a conversation with somebody, somebody will have had a, a negative conversation with somebody in law enforcement. And and because of that, they have branded in their mind, all police officers bad. And the way I've started responding to people that have a very negative outlook on law enforcement. And I mean, I know people that they believe that their loved one was um, um, convicted of something unjustly. And that happens that a police officer falsified evidence. And that happens but that happens so much less common than Hollywood uh, would have us believe. And if you talk to many of the people who are in prison today, they they will tell you that they are in prison unjustly, that they shouldn't be there. When in many cases, that's not the case. Um, it does happen, but that's in many cases not the case. So let me give you a story. I'm going to start off and just and just hit these by the numbers. So a, a police officer that I spoke with uh, did a drug raid, and uh, he and his team went in, uh, kicked the door in. It was a justified raid. Bust was good. It was a good arrest. As they come in the door, and they look down, there's a small child on the floor. This child has a broken limb, and the bone is sticking completely out of this limb. We're talking this child would, would become septic and die. The bone is literally sticking out. The child has been injured long enough that the child has just started to cope with the pain of it, which cannot be pleasant, and is sitting there just smiling up at the police officers as they go by like, whoa, what's going on here? And the kid is is smiling. Well, they go in there, they arrest the child's dad. Dad had broken the child's limb in a, a, a drug-fueled rage and was not going to get the child proper care. Um, the child is crying and upset as they take the child away in an ambulance to get care. And the officer understandably felt like this child was mad at him. Um, in, the, in, in reality, these are real emotions. These are the emotions of a father, of a mother, when they see a horribly mistreated child that should not have had those sort of things happen to it. And the officer cannot express to a little two, three-year-old kid that, hey, your dad is an evil person who is going to go away to pay his debt to society and is going to lose all parental rights to you. The officer was able to, to think about this situation and realize, I saved this little child's life. And by, by going in there and doing this bust, God put me where I was when I was to save this life. 
and uh, we're not always that fortunate, but I think when we pray about it and ask God to do so, again, I'm a, I'm a chaplain. I'm a firm believer in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm a Bible-believing Christian, and I believe God puts us where we ask him to put us. And so this officer saved this child's life. This child uh, is going to be adopted out and have a much better chance at not only just life, but a happy life with a family that will not mistreat this child. So it's things like that that officers have to go home from. And we'll talk in later episodes about dealing with stress and coping with things and, and coming to grip with the awful things that officers see. But these are things that, that police officers wish that the public understood about what they deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. It's the kind of thing that somebody would tell that story for the rest of their life under normal circumstances. The only people that really see things like that are people in EMS, you know, our first responders, whether they be EMT, paramedic, firefighter, police officer, or our veterans. Now, I'm going to include dispatchers in that. They oftentimes don't see, they don't see it firsthand, but they hear it. And that's very haunting. They've, they've heard the last sounds a woman makes as she drowns in, a, in her vehicle as the floodwaters close over the top of her vehicle. Or they, they hear the screams of a woman as she's beaten to death and the phone's been knocked underneath the bed or, or as she's been, been assaulted, murdered, all of these things. Um, that, is, that is things that dispatchers deal with. And uh, this is a very real thing. And people who have been around it will get this. And if this resonates with you, if you're a police officer and you're listening to this, please share this because I wish the public at large could understand that. This is one of the biggest reasons that I started the Beside the Batch podcast is because um, I want to encourage the good cops that are behind the badges that are behind badges to stay there. I want to encourage new officers coming up and I want to, I want to offer some thoughts to those who've been doing it a long time. But at the same time, I also want to talk to the general public, to the citizens out there and say, hey, these are things police officers deal with. And so uh, we talked about the child with the broken limb and how the officers literally saved that child's life. So I'm going to talk to you about another one that's really, truly terrible. And a police officer takes off running uh, up to a rollover wreck. Vehicles flipped multiple times. And um, you can see that there's injuries inside the vehicle. And as he's running there, he slips and he falls in something slick that he didn't see. And he, he stands up. And, and he lands on his hands and everything. He stands up and he's got something all over his hands, his arms, his chest, and on his face. And he realizes that this is a liquid that had up until moments before been inside of a human head. Now, there are people that psychologically cannot handle that. They would snap. But there's officers that are like, yep, that was a Tuesday. And that's the kind of thing that I wish the public could understand is, yes. You have stress at your job. Odds are, unless you work in an ER, uh, you probably don't have stress like this. Unless you're a firefighter, again, EMT, paramedic, dispatcher, you probably don't have stress like this. So I'll share another story with you that a police officer shared with me several years ago. And that is uh, that he responded to a wreck where a woman with two little children in her vehicle had pulled out in front of a semi. She was coming out trying to pass uh, in an area that she shouldn't have been trying to pass. The semi couldn't stop in time. And the semi completely went over the top of the vehicle she was driving. And that's what happens when that many thousand pounds encounter something much, much smaller. And they're coming at each other like that. It's a very bad situation. And suffice it to say that the mother and her two children were killed instantly. 
So he's working the scene, and uh, there's something inside of a man that God put there in a good man to protect a woman. And here is a woman and her two small dead children, and it was not a pretty scene. And he's first on scene. He's got to he's got to work the scene, and he's got to wait for people to respond. And and they've got to set up you know perimeter and move people around it. It's a it's a crime scene. It's an accident, and it's a fatality. So it's going to take quite a, quite a while to get everything cleaned up. So he's working this, and as he's working this scene, um, he starts getting calls from dispatch saying, "Hey." Um, you're the only officer in the area. This is this is stuff that happens in counties that don't have a lot of officers on duty, small populations or or small budgets. And there's a guy down at the jail, and he's demanding to talk to a, a deputy right now because um, it's it's something to do with custody. We don't understand. And so he's like, "Well, I can't leave. I got to wait on the highway patrol." And so they keep calling him, keep calling him, keep calling him. And they've got some clerks working down at the jail. There's no officers in there at the moment. And this guy is really irate. He won't leave. So finally, Highway Patrol arrives. He goes down to the jail. And this guy is like, you know, my worthless ex-wife. She's always late with my kids. And, um, you know, I, I get so frustrated with her. And you need to arrest her. And he's like, look, this is a civil matter. And this is something I wish people truly understood. People don't really understand their rights and people don't really understand their the law. I'm a, I'm a constitutionalist and I'm always trying to learn about our rights and I'm a huge advocate for, for amending laws to not only further protect us as people, but people need to take it upon themselves to understand their actual rights. There's a 99% chance when somebody mouths off at the scene and says, I know my rights, that they don't, literally. And so this guy is trying to explain to the sheriff's deputy that the sheriff's deputy has to go. You're not doing your job. You got to go arrest this woman. She's my ex-wife's worthless piece of crap. And then as the officer standing there, the deputy standing there in front of him, he's like, wait, wait a minute. What did you say her name was? And he stops and goes, sir, I need you to sit down. And he has to explain to a man that is irate that his ex-wife and his two children were killed instantly because she was trying to get to meet him so that they could swap the kids for the weekend. And she's not only dead, but both of his kids are dead and he's never going to see any of them again. So he has to pick the guy up off the ground, put him in his truck and talk to him and say, look, I have to go back to the scene of this accident. You need to get somebody down here to be with you. Somebody needs to, to be with you. And I'm sorry, but I cannot stay. I have to go back and process my scene. So now he has to go back to the wreck. And at that wreck, he literally has to see the remains of what, you know, an hour before had been three human beings and know the rest of the story. That's the kind of thing that police officers deal with, and it stays with them. This does not leave. This is the kind of thing that a lot of people, if they experience something like this at their job, they would quit. If they experience something like this in their home, they would move. If they, even with their neighbor, they would move. If they experienced something like this at their church, they would no longer attend there. That's the kind of things that we're talking about. These are the things that police officers see, and it's unfortunate. And I've prayed with these men and women. I've given them ways to think about it. I love these people because if it was not for them, we would be dealing with the criminals and the awful things that they see every day. We would be dealing with them every day as American citizens. So another one that's truly awful is um, 
police officer re responds to a, a wreck where a young lady um, overcorrected in the road, went across the road to the other side, and was ejected from the vehicle. And in my area, I live in the in the Midwest, and I live in what they call the Ozark Mountains, which I've been to actual mountains. These aren't actual mountains, but they are some beautiful hills. We've got some pretty high hills, but I wouldn't call them mountains. But we have some really twisty, windy, curvy roads. Uh, a lot of uh, motorcycle groups love to come through the Midwest, and they love to come through this area, and they love to ride their motorcycles on these twisty, turny roads. But here's the thing. This this can be very dangerous because there's no shoulder. A lot of times there's guardrails, there's no shoulder, there's nowhere to move over. It's actually really, really dangerous when people get out and bicycle these, and you come around a corner doing whatever the speed limit is, and there's 40 bicycles in front of you. And uh, it's not a great place to ride a bicycle in the middle of the road, completely blocking traffic. It causes a lot of accidents. And I'm not anti-cyclist. I bicycle, but that's just kind of how it is. So that being said, he pulls up to the scene. The girl's been ejected. She's in bad shape. Let's just say she's in bad shape. Um, he's on the radio saying we need, you know, an ambulance here now. And the girl's talking to him and she's scared. And so she's she's clutching at him and he's he's kind of cradling her. He's a father and he's talking to her. He's like, it's okay. I'm going to get people here to help you as soon as I can. And so he's working with her, talking to her, keeping her company. Hey, you know, stay with me. I'm going to get people here. And she's like, where's my dad? I want my dad. I need my dad. Where's my dad? And he's like, I'm, I'm going to get your dad here. Okay. He's like, first, we got to get an ambulance here. And he's on the radio and he's like, you guys got to get here now. You guys got to get here now. Now they're coming. It's not that the, it's not that the paramedics, the EMTs, whoever's on that ambulance, it's not that they... It's not that they're not trying. It's that it's hard to get people to move out of the way. It's a very real thing. When when emergency vehicles go to pass you, move your happy butt over. I make no apology for that. Move over when emergency vehicles try to pass you. Number two, they are trying to get there as fast as they can on these curves. Don't pull out in front of them. That's dumb. It's dangerous, and you could cost somebody their life. And there are people out there today who are actually responsible for the death of another another human being, and they don't even realize it because they wouldn't move for an emergency vehicle. These are things that law enforcement, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters, and dispatchers wish you knew about moving over. Every year, police officers and firefighters and similar are killed at the scenes of accidents by people not watching what they're doing and slamming into them and completely running them over. I have worked many accidents where I have shown flashlights at windshields to get people to stop who don't seem to understand that there are 15 emergency vehicles at 1030 at night and all of them are running their red and blues and you might should slow down a little bit and move over. And I understand in some of the cases these lights are, are piercing and you can't hardly see. Still, slow down. Don't rubberneck. Look around. Keep your eyes open and go on by. So back to this story. He's cradling this girl. He's talking to this teenage girl. And in the middle of her saying, you know, where's my daddy? I need my daddy. She just kind of stops for a second and she reaches up and she puts her hand on his face and she just sort of cradles his face for a moment. And she's a, she says, I love you, daddy. And she goes limp and she dies. It destroyed this man and it ended his career before it was over because he was not able to deal with what he saw. He's a friend of mine and he's a darn good man, but it ended his career. These are things that law enforcement wish you understood that they see. So uh, this isn't in my area, but a couple of cops are there working scene of an accident where what used to be a human being, the remains of a human being, are all over the place. And they are standing there picking them up. One of them is picking up the pieces and putting them into the plastic bag the other officer is holding. 
they then hand them to the corner and they pull up to a set of gas pumps and they are they are facing each other at the gas pumps across on either side and they are trying to salvage their evening do we eat can we hold down dinner i just picked up a finger and put it in a bag that kind of thing and as they're standing there trying to retain their sanity in that moment going wow what an awful day we just went through as they're trying to maintain their sanity and, and, and try to salvage something of their day, a guy pulls up in a pickup truck and he goes, is that all you guys do is stand around? Only thing I ever see you guys do is stand around. <laughs> and then he drives off. It's situations like that that make officers want to quit their job or pummel someone senseless. Now it's his right. It's his freedom of speech. He can say something that ignorant. But I just about guarantee that man has never picked up what used to be a human being and put it in a bag. Most people, and I've done this, most people will never be at the scene of something and help carry a dead human being out of a building because the, the hallways are tight. The person is big. You have to carry them to a point where you can get a gurney. And I have done so with a law enforcement officer as his chaplain and a coroner. And the guy was a big enough boy that it took three, I'm, I'm over 200 pounds. The police officer I was with was at least 200 pounds. In the corner, he might have been a little smaller, but he was probably a buck 80. None of us were, uh, none of us were weak people. It was everything we could do to get this man out of there and treat his body with dignity. And I've had these conversations with police officers where they're like, Paul, help me out here. Like uh, a police officer should never have to respond to a shooting where, where he walks in and finds that his best friend has taken his own life. But it happens. And I don't mean his best friend behind the badge. I mean a private citizen who's one of his best friends has taken his own life. I know of multiple officers that I've talked to over the years who have responded to the suicides or the vehicular deaths of their friends. Another one that happens to officers a lot is they try to have conversations with people and say, listen, honey, if you don't get away from this guy, ma'am, miss, young lady, if you don't get away from this guy, this is the 15th time that I have personally responded to this scene, to this house, and you've been beaten up by the man you're with. If you don't get away from him, he will kill you. And then one night, four months later, they respond and she's a fatality. Now, I have family members who've been battered. I was married to someone who thought it was was okay to hit me as hard as that individual could, but I would never hit a woman. That's in my own past. I get it. I understand battered relationships. Officers, it's hard for them not to get jaded when they go, come on, look, this guy is practicing your death. This guy is trying to kill you. He's working himself up to taking your life. Yeah. So... I had a conversation with a guy one day that was saying that this officer pulled up to his house and he said, my, my neighbor's dog was barking and wouldn't shut up. And we've all dealt with a barking dog that won't shut up and you want to finish the dog off is a strong human reaction, probably a, a distinctly male reaction, but you want to finish the dog off and you call it in. It's a nuisance call and officers respond. And I had a guy tell me, he's like, yeah, I know you're in tight with the cops, Paul, but I love those conversations. And he says, but 
this officer came to my door and he was an absolute jerk to me because my neighbor's dog won't shut up and they won't do anything about it. Well, they give, in most cases, there is a, a noise ordinance violation that goes to the people and they have to come in and pay a fine for it. They have a day in court. And if they don't deal with it in many jurisdictions, it can actually escalate. Depends on the jurisdiction, depends on the court system, depends on the city council. But I said, can I, can I give you something different to think about? And he's like, sure. And I said, that was probably a very frustrating call for this police officer. I said, what a lot of guys don't realize, what a lot of gals don't realize that police officers deal with is um, you are in the middle of investigating something. You're in the middle of dealing with something else and you have to go handle a nuisance call like this. And maybe that officer is a jerk. You know, maybe that that officer is an absolute jerk, but it's just as likely that they just came away from something truly traumatic. And like I said, I actually have talked to an officer who did a death notification. He moved to a lady and is like, look, ma'am. And I think it was her son. He's like, uh, he didn't say look, ma'am, but he comes up and he's like, ma'am, I hate to tell you this. Um, uh, I'm officer so-and-so with the such and such. And um, we just got uh, confirmation that your son was killed in a motor vehicle accident this afternoon. I'm so sorry. Um, and, uh, you know, is there someone I can call for you? And stayed with her while she sobbed, caught her as she was falling uh, in her own doorframe and stayed with her until her pastor and I think her sister could arrive to visit with her. But then his very next call, as he clears, you, you don't just reset as a human being and just go back to quote-unquote normal. And so he's feeling all of this emotional wash that's coming over him of, of watching this woman and thinking, how would I feel and what would I be doing and how did I handle that? Did I handle that right? What, what could I have said better? And he goes to the very next call and somebody's there and he's like, okay, officer, I need you to go to my neighbor's house and you need to tell my neighbor that his bumper is over my side of the property line because I measured and I measured and the back of his bumper is over my side of the line. So he's parked on my property and you need to go talk to him about it. Okay, that would drive you absolutely nuts. Another thing that officers deal with a lot is they have people that call them. I have been there untold times when a police officer has been called to be a parent because the parents don't have the intestinal fortitude to be an actual parent. And so they will turn to the officer and go, you need to talk to little Johnny. You need to talk to little Becky, because if you don't talk to little Johnny or little Becky, I'm going to smack the crap out of that kid. That kid is completely out of control. And you're watching the environment that they're in and listening to it. And probably seven times out of 10, you can tell how the kid got that way. I have been at the scene of a situation where a lady got pulled over, no driver's license, no insurance. I think she was driving revoked. Um, I can't remember if she had like title proof, like actual proof of ownership of the vehicle, but she had multiple things going on. And her kid, I think was, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. And I actually stood between the door uh, that of the vehicle while they dealt with mom. And this kid is yelling at them. You're running my life. You guys are awful. And this kid actually tried to lunge at a cop at like 10, 11 years old. And I turned to this kid and I said, no, your mom is running your life. I said, listen, I said, no one's making your mom break the law. Your mom has done all these things to herself. It's not a matter. It's drugs. Let's just be honest what it is. It's drugs. It's not, it's not that she uh, doesn't have money for groceries because she's a single mom and she's working as hard as she can and life's not fair. It's mom's on drugs. Now I didn't say that to the kid, but mom's on drugs and that's the problem. 
and mom's out of control. And so we're having this conversation and I, and he's mad. If he had a man's body, he would have attacked that cop. And so here's the thing that's sad is one day that little boy is going to be a problem for law enforcement and he's going to attack a cop because his mom has taught him to be a professional victim and he's an entitled little brat. And so she's taught him that all cops are bad. She's taught him that the system is everything in the world is against us. No, you're the problem, young lady. I hate to tell you this. Now, being being a believer in Christ, I believe that she needs a relationship with the Lord. But in the meantime, she's ruining her own son's life. These are the things that police officers see. I was with a police officer one night that he picked up a young man that was out after curfew. And we're talking like two o'clock in the morning, goes to the house, knocks on dad's door, Dad comes to the door and begins the most foul stream of vulgarity, swearing at this officer. How dare you wake me up? And the officer's like, well, sir, I brought you your son back because I figured you would want to know that your son was out. We've had some problems with some vandalisms and some break-ins that have been caused by teenagers. And I figured you would want to know so that you could deal with the situation. If, you know, we, we didn't catch him doing anything bad, but he could fall in with this lot of teenagers that have been doing these break-ins and somewhere. This guy cussed us off of a second floor, floor apartment balcony all the way back out to the vehicle and was screaming at the top of my lungs, you've got some gall waking up everybody in the apartment complex for something this stupid. No, Bubba, you woke up the entire apartment complex because of you. And I actually don't blame that kid for wanting to get out of that house. These are the things that police officers see that are absolutely awful. Um, I've got a couple more stories for you. Uh, officers oftentimes stare into the face of evil. Literally. I have been with officers while someone leers up at them who has committed awful crimes, has done terrible things. And you're like, oh my word, I cannot believe that this person is smugly, arrogantly leering up at them like, yeah, yeah, I did it. What do you think? What do you care? And we're talking about child molesters, pedophiles, rapists murderers. I was with an officer one night. I'll talk about this later in another, in another podcast about self-control and about what, what it looks like when people are behind the badge. Cause these are human beings that wear a uniform and put on a badge to protect us. And so, uh, the officer I was with responded to a house. There was sounds of violence coming from the house. It was called in, enters the home, looks back at me. And I saw the look on his face and I knew it was bad ends up arresting a man who held his girlfriend hostage for a weekend. And I mean, beat her like a drum. Suffice it to say that this lady was laying in a pool of her own tears, urine, and blood. And he had thrown scalding hot, boiling hot water onto her back. And she had second and three and third degree burns. As I understand it, he is going away for a long, long time. And he owes a debt to society that he needs to pay. But these are the things that police officers see on the regular. And it's just absolutely, it's awful. It's awful when you, when you know what they deal with. And there are, I'll talk about in later episodes, again, positive ways of dealing with these things and letting them go. Things that we don't have to, we don't have to have officers taking these things home with them and affecting their relationships at home because that's a very real thing. 
So quickly, because I've run over just a little bit longer than I meant to, very quickly, if you're listening to this podcast, get a hold of me through social media. This is the uh, Beside the Badge podcast. If this, if you're in law enforcement or your blue family and this resonated with you, please share it. I'm trying to get the word out. I would love to see a more informed public. I'm not going to pretend that I can change the entire world, but I do believe I can change a life one at a time. And so if this resonated with you, please like and share it. Share it with your family and friends if you're in law enforcement or blue family so that they can kind of have a better understanding of what our officers see and deal with on the regular. Uh, behind me, if you're listening to the audio version of it, you can't see it, but I have a I have a cork board that looks like the United States, the, uh, the continental United States specifically. And on this cork board, I am putting pins in. So if you will contact me through social media and let me know where you are listening to this podcast and if you are law enforcement or not, I will be putting pins in this map. And then also, if you are listening to this podcast and you are in law enforcement, get a hold of me and I, and you want to send a departmental patch to me. If you are listening to this, you can't see this. But off to my left over here, off to my left, I actually have a large, um, I actually have a, a soundproof uh, curtain on the wall. And that is there for patches. And I want to fill that with departmental patches. So if you feel like this has resonated with you and this is uh, something you feel like has benefited you, please do so. So very quickly, I want to thank my two sponsors. I'm working on a third. I want to thank uh, John Riley with General Response. And I want to thank Got Your Six Coffee. If you are listening to this, you cannot see this awesome Got Your Six Coffee shirt that I'm wearing. But my buddy uh, that founded Got Your Six Coffee is an amazing guy. And again, he gives away his net profits after what it costs to keep the company going and to survive. He gives it all away. Great guy. Phenomenal company. So let's pray real quick for the safety of our officers out there. And, uh, and I'll let you guys go for today. So, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every man and woman that puts on a uniform every day in our nation, whether they are police officers, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters, dispatch. It does not matter to me, Lord God, these people, they serve our nation, and I include our veterans in that. I sit you bless and protect them, that you guide them not only closer to you, but in life, in their relationships, their marriages, their friendships, Lord God. I lift them up to you, and Lord God, I ask for supernatural protection over them as they go out there to protect us, literally, in many cases, from evil. I ask that you would bend the bullets around them, that you would cause evil men and women that, that plan to attack them, that would lay in wait and ambush them, that you would cause them to stumble and to make themselves aware, make themselves uh, evident to these officers and, uh, and so forth, that they would be protected. We ask this in the one name that makes it possible in your son Jesus' name. Guys and gals, I will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Beside the Badge podcast. Stay safe out there and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast.